Europe is doing something with AI that I honestly think America and most countries should do. It's in their best interest. And that's not all of the AI regulation that they've been rolling out. I have different opinions on that. What they're recently doing is that they have announced that they're expanding the support for AI startups to tap into their in-house, as you could call it, in, I don't know, not country, but in the European Union supercomputers for model training. And pretty much what the idea is, is that they're trying to incentivize AI companies to stay in Europe, to not go abroad, you know, namely to America. And so they're giving them a bunch of compute power to help them train these models. And we're seeing some success from this. Mistral AI, which recently has uh, raised a, you know, insane amount of money coming out of Europe. It's kind of one of the big European AI companies. Um, they were in beta or kind of like in this um, in this like pilot phase that they did. So today on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about this program, how I think other countries should do this and what some of the interesting perks um, and how this whole thing worked. Today's episode is sponsored by AI Box, my very own no-code AI app builder and marketplace. If you're interested in getting on the wait list or investing in a up-and-coming AI startup, I'll leave a link in the description to AIbox.ai to get on the wait list and republic.com slash AI box to invest into our crowdfunding campaign that we've just launched. We gon' bring it to you just like that. Welcome everyone to the future's AI chat. Bringing you the interviews and giving you info to be in the know. Tech company CEOs of Rock with us. Bet you gon' come back. I'm just saying the facts. This is AI chat. Let's go. So the big headline here is that the EU's supercomputing initiative is trying to help homegrown AI. And by homegrown, we mean inside of the EU. AI startups, but a lot of people are saying that more support is actually needed and that it doesn't, maybe it doesn't go far enough in some areas. So let's break it down. Right now, um, I think this is a really big and bold, this is a great move in the AI sector. The EU's latest initiative, which essentially offers um, some significant um, advantages to some homegrown AI startups by essentially providing them with a really honestly, it's unprecedented access to their own supercomputing resources. So this is launched back in September. Um, and they started operations last month, but the program um, has already used or kind of gotten France's Mistral AI involved in its pilot. Um, and I think this is a really promising start. If anyone's following along with AI, Mistral has raised an insane amount of money, uh, I believe reached a billion dollar valuation and is, you know, a competitor to OpenAI, but it's more of a open source play, which is very cool. Um, what I will say is that recent updates indicate that simply giving access to these AI startups isn't enough. That's what a lot of people are saying. According to an EU official um, during a press briefing, there is a growing recognition of the need to equip the startups with the necessary skills and knowledge to maximize this high-performance computing access. Um, and so I think this kind of entails developing training programs that help startups to fully you know, exploit the architecture and um, compute computational power of these supercomputers. So a key strategy in this initiative is the creation of a quote-unquote center of excellence. So these centers are going to support the development of specialized AI algorithms, which are actually designed to run on EU supercomputers and enhance the capabilities so that AI startups are going to have. Because a lot of these startups, they're traditionally more familiar with the dedicated compute hardware from um, US hyperscalers. And these EU supercomputers are actually different. Not everything's the same. And uh, they, they need special training, essentially, to, to do this. So in preparation for the official inauguration of Mar Nostrum 5, this is a pre-exascale um, supercomputer in Spain, EU officials emphasized the need for a support wrapper around the HPC access program. So this is going to access, or this is going to really essentially help a lot of subject matter experts 
in understanding supercomputer utilization, access, and algorithmic, um, you know, things that are really crucial in developing these AI models. So this is a quote from um, the uh, a commission official recently said, AI is conducting or AI is considered now a strategic priority for the union. I think this is important, right? They're obviously putting a really big focus on this. Um, and I think in this line uh, with the EU, this really kind of goes along with the EU's broader ambition to kind of foster like a competitive, safe, trustworthy, and ethical AI landscape. That's really what they've they've been saying. Now, a lot of people criticize that and say, you know, um, safe, trustworthy, ethical are all words for slowing down the development of AI. And I know there's a big debate on both sides of that. Um, the EU obviously is the the first to regulate things, and they've come out with their EU AI, um, you know, regulation. So it's, I think, like a lot of people say that this is a good move. They're like, look, if the if Europe is going to regulate things to make it more difficult for startups, or arguably, on the one hand. Um, it makes sense for them to offer some sort of benefits uh, for people to stay in Europe and not just go to the States and maybe like turn off AI models like we saw OpenAI earlier this year, completely shut off ChatGPT for everyone in Italy because Italy, um, you know, came up with, uh, had some laws and some rules where they said they couldn't use it. And at the end of the day, like honestly, uh, shutting off AI to Italy is the, the biggest loser in that situation is people in Italy that don't have access to this amazing tool. So I think... Um, furthermore, an AI support center is really kind of on the horizon, um, and it's focusing on helping a lot of these subject matter experts and startups to maximize the benefits of the EU's supercomputing resources. So the center um, acknowledges the AI community's relative, like they're not very experienced with supercomputers, right? Like I have an AI startup, and now my AI startup is probably different than a lot of others because I'm not building foundational models. Um but I definitely do not have a lot of experience with supercomputers. Now, you know, then again, I'm not a technical co-founder. That would probably be more my uh, CTO's uh, area of expertise. But like, honestly, supercomputers are something that are very expensive, very large scale. These are usually reserved for companies like Amazon, uh, Apple, Google, right? And so even mid-sized startups or new startups, like, like a lot of these people really just do not have experience uh, using these. And so having kind of the center that can train them, I think is really, really important. So the EU has, I think, significantly expanded its investments in supercomputers over the last five years. Now they have, I think, a cluster of eight different machines, um, and the plans are in place to kind of interconnect these through terabyte networks, creating a, you know, a federation of supercomputing resources which are accessible across Europe. This is going to be super, super cool. I'm really excited to see how that actually pans out. Um, so moving forward, I think the EU anticipates the launch of its first um, exascale supercomputers. They have one in Germany and then they have another one in France. And then additionally, quantum computing investments are, they're currently making a lot of those. Um, so they have plans to acquire quantum simulators to kind of enhance classical supercomputers, which is again, going to be really interesting. I think that they're doing an, an amazing job here in a lot of areas. And I actually think this is something that a lot of countries should follow suit with, right? Um, America right now obviously doesn't like quote unquote need to do this as much because all of the AI companies or majority of them are coming out of America, right? All the big ones, OpenAI, Google, um, Microsoft, etc. But, you know, I think this is a really great move by like the EU and I think other areas are going to follow suit. I think we'll see like out of Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, areas like that, um, they're going to be making, I, I, they've talked a lot and I've actually talked to investors and other people over there um, before. And it's an area that the AI is an area that they're really focused on. And so I think that they, you'll see them making similar investments. I'm trying to keep uh, startups 
um, you know, in their own ecosystem and giving them resources like this, I think is the perfect way to do that, right? The government can invest in this technology because, you know, for national security and other reasons, like it's really great for the government to have access and, you know, control these supercomputers. And then if they have them, why not give them to, um, you know, AI startups in their own country that are going to spur jobs and economic growth um, within their own, you know, areas. Now, the one thing that I will say, and maybe it's just me, maybe this isn't um, everyone, but one thing that I will say it's like slightly concerning to me is when the government is, you know, creating these supercomputer networks and it's like, I mean, really, whatever. So in Europe, whatever come, whatever AI startups go and use this network or the system, whatever, and train their AI models on these supercomputers um, are going to have a competitive advantage, right? They're saving millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, arguably, um, by not having to just do this from scratch in-house. And so... My thing, though, is like anytime the government gives you something for free, it's possible that there could be strings attached. And in the case of the EU, it probably is, hey, like, we're just going to make sure that you follow all of our regulations. Um, but imagine if like a foreign adversary were to do this, um, you know, like, let's say China, China probably will run a program like this. And they're just going to say everyone that trains just has to um, follow their regulation. Although I don't know if that's as big of a deal because the regulations can exist anyways. Right. Like China, for example. Um, their AI regulation says you can't put anything into your training, um, your training data that isn't that like is outside of uh, what like China's Internet censorship policies. So, you know, they're censoring everything hap that happened in Tiananmen Square and the People's Revolution and all that kind of stuff on the Internet. Like that's all censored and banned. And if you, you can't put anything from that uh, censored content into the training, uh, you know, into the training data. So that in China is banned. Um that's the regulation. And I'm sure if they had some sort of government program where they allowed uh, Chinese AI startups to come in, that wouldn't really be like, oh, if you use us, you have to do it this way because they're forcing them to do it that way either, like regardless with with the regulation. So maybe maybe it's not such a big deal. But I'm always a little bit wary of the government giving away free things. And also the other thing that my second concern with a program like this is like it sounds amazing, but I just like wonder what the... Um, what the process for picking who gets to use this are, right? So like, let's say there's two startups. One of them is friendly with a bunch of different lobbyists and people in the government. So they get access and another one um, does not know anyone. And so then it's like harder for them to get in. They don't get access and the other, you know, they get crushed by the company that, uh, you know, got the special access. So then it's like kind of like the government is picking and choosing the winners and losers. And I don't like that. I would much prefer that to be left to the open market. So um, yeah, I guess my two areas of concern would be like if there's any strings attached and, you know, like how are they vetting and picking those startups? But I mean, overall, those are, you know, those are just issues of those are more like tactical issues or, you know, operational issues. Those aren't like I, I think fundamentally the program is a great idea. So one really interesting aspect of the initiative is the quote unquote large AI grand challenge. So this is a competition um that was designed for European AI startups, and it has a combined 4 million hours of supercomputing access. So the competition aims to identify and support promising startups with a $1 million prize pool and expectations for open source model releases uh, or research publications. So this is kind of cool. They're really motivating people to do open source. They're motivating people to do research publications. And I, I think this is the way that they move forward. So the EU's focus on AI, I think right now is kind of going beyond just providing industry access to supercomputers. I think it's also actively shaping a strategic power source for um, scalable European-made general purpose AI. So Mistral AI, of course, is a French startup, which is 
right now is kind of looking to rival U.S. foundational models. Um, and it has emerged as a early benefactor of this whole program. So their participation, um, despite, uh, you know, raising a lot of money in Series A funding, I think is it a strategic imp- shows really the strategic importance placed on large AI. So for startups like Mistral, I think the benefits of the program uh, in the EU are definitely like very, very obvious. So Arthur Mensch, uh, the co-founder and CEO of Mistral, shared um, he's really just kind of talking and giving a lot of positive experience using Leonardo, which is an EU supercomputer uh, for some early experiments um, and also kind of relying on their cluster. So I think this is going to be really interesting to follow along as the EU continues to be, you know, roll this out. I think they'll become more and more of a powerhouse in the AI space. And I'm excited to, I'm honestly excited for the more AI companies, the more models we have, the more countries getting involved with this. Uh, All of this is very, very exciting to me. And I think it really goes around along with my thesis um, that I created at the beginning of the year that right now we have, you know, a handful of big players in this AI space. But over the next two to three years, I think we will have thousands of AI models, um, that are all fighting to be the dominant players for sure, the general purpose ones. But I think there's going to be a lot of specialized, a lot of niche, smaller AI models. Um, and that's why I'm building AI Box, the no-code AI app builder and marketplace, to have a central hub where anyone can test, use, um, and monetize any of the those AI models and their output. So really excited for that. And I'll definitely keep you updated as the story evolves. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Thank you for listening to the AI Chat Podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you rate me wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're looking for an innovative group of AI enthusiasts, make sure you check out our Discord channel and also our Facebook community. It's obviously a lot more interactive than a podcast where we can actually share software tools, prompts that we're using in everyday AI. I'll leave a link for those in the description below.